Hey guys, welcome back to Walkers Only Podcast. My guest for today is none other than Troy Casadaly. Troy is an Australian country songwriter and entertainer. Troy has released 13 studio albums, two live albums, and five completion albums over 30 years, including the platinum-selling The Great Country Songbook with Adam Harvey. Other songs you may know, Lights on the Hill, Chase and Rodeo, Bird on a Wire, The Biggest Disappointment. Before we start, this episode is brought to you by Solid Directions Carpentry. Whether it's a door hanging, a deck building, a full renovation, they do it all in a timely and an efficient manner. Work into a budget within your guidelines. They complement the look of your home in a matter of weeks. Then check out the team at Solid Erections Carpentry, who are based in Brisbane. 12-week programming is up and running. If you're looking for some change, the 12-week walkers-only program is designed to support you in your process of creating sustainable change. We will help you find meaning, create a better routine, and work on establishing healthy boundaries while setting realistic goals. It includes group sessions, 12-week customized planner, community networking, meet like-minded people, grow personally and professionally, learn to live with purpose. If that's something you want, then hit us up and let's get you on board. I'm going back home to where people call you by your first name. I'm going back home to where people treat you just the same As they always have Back home Wow. Wow. Can we just continue with this? <laughs> this could be just a concert in itself, couldn't it? Yeah, right? it's amazing, man. Hey, that's... um. When you When you say back home, what does that mean to you? Oh, look, I think back home means that place of security. At the moment, after losing my mum, I've been going back to her old house. And that's been my place where I can light the fire, uh, get the guitar, sit around the fire and just um, just debrief a little bit and and actually mourn properly. I don't think I mourned my dad the right way and I carried that into COVID. And so I'm doing it the right right way at the moment with mum, yeah. Wow. So when did mum pass away? In July. Oh, wow. So pretty close. Yeah, it's, 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 it's. You know, and and I've I've stopped sort of saying to people when they say, "Oh, how's your year been?" You yeah, know, and yeah. I've, I've actually stopped saying, "Well, it's been a bit up and down." I've just been sort of automatically saying, "It's been good," you know. Gotten back to playing music again, but if I if I drag myself back into that place, then yeah. you just start dwelling on it again, and I have to keep walking forward. Yeah. There's a funny thing, a funny saying someone told me once. Which I find it's interesting if you constantly bring up things from the past always you're constantly bringing that emotion back you're rehashing that feeling i think there's good to let it let it go yeah you know speak about it but i think there's a certain time where you go ah right we just got to accept that and and i can't bring that emotion constantly back up because it's just detrimental to me and what i'm doing and how you're moving forward it is indigenous people deal with grief quite differently mm. and, and it's been one of those things where I've, I've grown to understand how it works a lot more now that I'm older yeah. whereas when I was a kid I didn't understand it but my mum held on to a lot of grief after losing her parents yeah. and that sort of made its way into our life and yeah. you talk about thinking about the past I lived in the past mm. and it was it was very very hard for me as an adult a young adult then to understand why I was like I was but then I look back at my childhood and I totally got it Wow. So where, where is your upbringing from? New South Wales, I believe? Yeah, New South Wales. I um, grew up in Grafton and uh, just had an incredible life with all my first cousins. Grew up an only child because my mum and dad split up when I was pretty young. Yeah. 
And then, so I really only had mum and I would visit dad on the holidays. Mm. And so, you know, it was, it was a really good life growing up as a, an Indigenous kid running through the bush and hunting for kangaroo and turtle and fishing all the time. Yeah. When you had time with your cousins, it was like you had brothers and sisters. That's amazing. Hey? Something about family connection. Yeah. Um, we li- recently, um, my, myself and my brother went back to the UK and we brought his son with us. And he's got a, a cousin the same age as him in Wales. They haven't seen each other in years. Like, you know, th- he's four years old, so he wouldn't have seen them for a year or two. And they just seen each other within a couple of minutes. They were just by each other's side the whole time. And then when he left, the cousin in Wales was crying. Cause I could just, imagine. Just the connection you have via family, you know, it might be far from, far, far from each other at some stages, but when you connect with each other, it's just something you can't put into words. It's true. Um, and I even had the same thing when I met my sister for the first time. She was actually 18 when I met her. Wow. And I knew that she was born. Uh, Mum gave her up. At about the same time that I moved to Sydney to be with my dad, her marriage had fallen apart and mum had sort of given up on everything. Yeah. And she was about to just quit uh, the railways where she was working and go on the, on the road and do fruit picking and stuff just to get away because she had two failed marriages. She felt like the whole thing was over. Yeah. And um, so I met my sister at the first time when she was 18. It was like I'd met her probably, you know, when I was four wow. because it was just I felt I knew her. And that's genetics, I guess, Yeah, you know. Did you instantly, like traits that you both had you had them or personality habits was it just like what she had traits that my of my (laughs) mum that she didn't even grow up with you know that's the weird thing like she had mannerisms and she still does I still look at her she came to visit me last time I was down there doing some mowing at mum's old house and she not only looks like mum but she just has these little mannerisms as well that mum had and I kept looking at her thinking to myself wow you haven't even grown up with us, unfortunately, I would love to have had her grow up with us all the time, but we're making up for it now. That's great. Because as adults and we've got kids of our own, all those first cousins get on great, as you, as you just saw. Mm. And and that's a thing that I love to watch unfold too. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Just one topic I want to talk about, not topic, something I want to bring up, I mean, Troy, obviously how we originally met was... Um, yeah. Was, was that about a year ago now, near, or maybe six to eight months ago, maybe? It could have been a year. I mean, yeah, you, you came over and you were doing some tech work for me for Telstra and trying to work out how to get our stupid, um, uh, you know, uh, power uh, uh, internet going. And and then we were talking just in general yeah. about what we do. Yeah. And you said, well, this is obviously just my job and my yeah. sideline, but what I really do is a podcast. Yeah, and, yeah. and at the time, Ollie, I don't think I was actually really ready to talk about my dad. But when I saw and heard some of your podcasts, it made me realise that maybe it's time because mm. since I spoke to you when you came over to the house, I've actually been to counselling. No, right. And I've, I've actually, and through, it wasn't one of my family or my wife or immediate family that got me to go. It was like this chance meeting with an old mate and I was stuck in a car with him for two days. Wow. And he told me some stuff about his own life, which was heavy shit. Mm. I'm talking like, Ooh. I said, what'd you do? He said, mate, I got counselling. He said, I, he said I, I, I just kept thinking to myself, why are all my relationships failing? And he said, it's me. He said, yeah. I realised it was me. It wasn't everyone else. Yeah. And, he, yeah, I had, you know, two days in the car with him. He manages Ian Moss and my, uh, my manager got COVID that weekend, so he came and just filled in the gaps for my manager. And, yeah, we spent two days in the car and that got me onto some counselling and, and that was probably what got me to call you, actually. That's amazing. Well, like I said, it, it sprung me out of, a, a bit of a curveball because I didn't expect it, Troy. But um, what I will say about you, moments, 
when I came in to do your internet, I probably made your internet worse. But um, no, it's good now. It's been great ever since. I haven't touched it. There's a lot, a lot has changed. That I don't work there anymore. I've gone more uh, full time with the podcasting yeah. and other things we do. But in particular, man, you um, you're just a genuine nice bloke, and and I think sometimes when you come across some you know big names, musicians or celebrities, you know you you have this perceived perception of them. But you were just so grounded down to earth and just ha- wanted to have a yarn. And I was like, I got a lot of time for this fella. So then when we connected enough, hopefully one day I'll, you know, hear off this guy again. And you just reached out out the blue. I was like, amazing. I just couldn't tell. I, I told everyone, like my Aussie friends, I was like, hey, they've got this Troy Castell. He's a, and they're like, he's an Aussie legend. And then uh, next thing I'm researching, researching. <laughs> and I was like, all right. It's even better when people arrive at our house and they don't know who you are, mm. though, Ollie. I think that's that's always refreshing, too. And and I think when I when I did talk to you about it, it was like some people talk about it but don't actually do anything mm. with the actions of what you're meant to do. And I I really like the concept of that mm. because I I think being an Aboriginal man too, I I've seen a lot of people that actually really are like a loudspeaker, but their actions really don't match their words. Yeah. And and that's that's the reason I thought I should at least talk to you now because I feel like I'm in a proper position to actually talk to you, which may help other people amazing amazing well let's let's start with it all let's if you want to have openly talk about your dad's journey and you know how it got to this position we are today yeah well um about the time you would have come over i was in heavy grief after losing dad to suicide so dad was 74 76 sorry and um and he was suffering from the, the effects of two small strokes now, my dad's always been like, he's the, the reason I play music. I mean, when I used to go and visit him as a kid, he would pull out the guitar and would strum to me when I was crying to be home with my mum and it would cheer me up. So dad pretty much made the environment that I live in now Amazing. as a musician. He wasn't even a muso, a proper muso. He'd just sit there with a the harmonica and he would make stuff up and cheer me up. So dad was always this happy-go-lucky fella. I'd take him away on all these uh, music cruises and we would talk and we would cry and we'd just do all the things that I'd never done with him as a as a grown man, you know. Mm. But, yeah, some of the nights he explained how he felt the night I was taken when my mum took off from Sydney, you know, and it, it just gave me this whole new perspective on him. So we grew a lot closer as we got into our, our you know, older years. Mm. And after his strokes, he was very depressed. Um, he'd lost his dog, which he was he was really connected to as well. And I think that he got to the stage of his life, the last time I saw him in the uh, Liverpool hospital, he really just looked really dark around the eyes. The light had already left him. And I I didn't realise it was going to be the last time I I was going to see my dad. But I was was prepared, I guess I was prepared to face the fact that I don't think he was going to be around for too much time because I just, he looked a little defeated to me. So I got in the car, I had to hire a car and get out there and stay in Liverpool and I spent the whole couple of days with him when my uh, stepmom and brothers left. I was able to sit with him one-on-one and talk. And the parting words to me were, I I don't want to be around. This is just, I don't want someone wiping my ass as a man. And and I I got that. But then, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in this very studio here, Ollie, with Ian Moss and we're writing a song and I have a phone off and we were jamming away and then it was I got this message from my stepmom saying, Oh, can you call me? There's been there's been an incident, you know. And um, and then I, I, I get up there and she says, Oh, your dad's passed away. Um, 
but it's 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 a little bit of a long story. Oh, I might tell you the whole thing. She said when you get down tomorrow. And um, so I thought to myself, maybe he's maybe overdosed on tablets or something, or because I, I knew he was he wasn't in a good place. Mm. And I got down there, so I think she was trying to probably just protect me from the fact that he'd hung himself in his shed. But it's the way that I was told about what had happened, which ended up being really traumatic to me because I was sort of told in a group situation yeah, yeah. about how it all unfolded. And um, so I was just devastated and, um, and walked out to his shed, of course, and I would have a cry out there. And, and my wife felt really bad because she kept it from me and was expecting my you know, stepmom to pull me aside and do it privately yeah. and tell me how he'd passed away. But instead, it just was blurted out at a, at a family table, you know. Everyone else there knew except for me. So I get this really, really traumatic moment in my life where I'm sitting in Dad's house and, I'm, and his, his happy place was his shed. We, I used to go out there and start of holidays and Dad would say to me, what do you want to, do you want to build something? And, I, and I'd say something stupid like, I want to build a sailing boat. <laughs> and he, he'd look at me and go, okay. <laughs> he'd never know. It was always, we'll do that. <laughs> and that's the sort of dad he was. He was encouraging and, um, and just loving and funny. Yeah. And so for him to take his own life meant that he was a different person. And, and I had to come to terms with that. But that time sitting with my friend in the car and me explaining to him how I was told, the details of what had happened, it, I took that into COVID with me. Mm. And I sat down here writing music and it was a, oh, it was a sad-ass record. Yeah. It really was. Do you think that record then the replicates, it's a bit like therapy for you because you're just getting your emotions out into the song. And, and I believe, did you sing a song on behalf of your dad in particular? Well, yeah, there was a couple of things on there that um, really were not directly to dad because I was still very, very raw. Yeah. And, and having it happen and then taking it into COVID, I, I mean, I just, I found myself coming down here every day and I'd, I'd just pick up a guitar and before you know it, I'd, I'd sit in front of this computer and I, all, all I would do is sort of like, um, and everything seemed like it was um, it was sad and minory. Like that's a major chord. Didn't get much of that. It was all. <laughs> so I'd sit down and I'd start to write something and I wouldn't intend to write anything yeah. sad, but yeah, it was a dark record. But a lot of people got it because yeah. they were in, COVID themselves, a lot of people in Victoria love this record because of their lockdown situation yeah. in Sydney. And then, it, you know, I, I wrote these songs and then put them together. And during COVID, I went to Sydney and had to write it. So all the while thinking of Dad. Yeah, wow. And, and also it was starting to affect my relationship as well. Yeah. That was hard. And so there was all this push-pull Ollie yeah. that was really playing with me. But the album went on to win an ARIA award. You've got best-selling album at the awards <laughs> at Golden Guitar Awards. And it was the weirdest response to a sad record that I ever would have dreamed of, actually. Wow. You don't realise, hey, that um, there's so many people out there suffering. Like, oh. I just literally came back from the UK and, you know, one of my closest mates told me about a time where he tried to attempt to commit suicide and other people are suffering and, you know, abusing alcohol, abusing drugs to escape these places. And you're like, hey, man, if... if like you kind of hope at the time, why didn't you ever tell me? Or why didn't you ever reach out? And but at the same time, like these songs connect to them so much because of the the pain that maybe they felt or the way they're playing at the moment or COVID in, especially inflicting on that. 
just connects them in a different way? Definitely. And I, I think I dragged a bit. Uh, Jimmy Barnes got in touch about uh, when I lost my dad, but he's always a sort of scallywag that'll always say, oh, you know, I'm just checking in on you, making sure you're okay. But before he leaves, he always gives you some parting shot or saying, now listen, have you got any songs? <laughs> and, um, and I'll go, yeah, well, haven't been really in the mood to write. I said, but I did read your book, Jim. And um, and loved the first book about his growing up in Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. Tough, tough-ass place to grow up. And um, I said, I wrote you a poem called Shutting Down Our Town about the Holden plant being shut down. And he goes, okay, well, look, turn that into a song and send it down to me and we'll see what we can do, you know. So it gave me something to do. Yeah, yeah. And that took the focus off Dad and got me down here and wrote this little folk song called Shutting Down Our Town. And then he turns it into this rock anthem. And um, it ends up being on his record, you know, which is which is really cool. That's and I dragged a lot of that influence, I think, into this that that record that I wrote because it's quite a rocky record yeah, for a country yeah. artist. So it was it was just interesting. All the people around me who were suffering too, yeah, yeah. But there were also people around me that thankfully were checking in on me, mm. and I didn't realise they were checking in. They were doing it sort of like in a sneaky way, like asking for songs yeah. or saying, "Hey, listen, have you got anything things for guitars?" Because I'm always tinkering with guitars. Yeah. They were. Inadvertently, yeah, checking on me, but I didn't realize. Isn't that beautiful though? That, yeah, that people are not directly doing it because sometimes if someone comes direct at you, it can hit you off. But it if does. someone's coming, hey, have you got a song or how's yeah. the guitar? This, you, you know, your mind's going elsewhere, you're thinking about other things, and then you come back to, yeah, I'm good, how are you going? You know, and yeah, yeah. And and I think that our, our music community is something that I probably took for granted before COVID and before losing dad and mum because now. I, I look at all the, the comforting messages that I got mm. and they were never about, hey, how are you? They're always sort of just dropping a line like, just look after yourself, like, like you know, people like Paul Kelly. Just yeah. be kind to yourself, wow. you know? And, and that's what you want to hear. You don't want to, you, you don't want to be asked questions. I don't like – at the moment I'm in a bit of a, a – <laughs> I'm still grieving mum and, and I feel that I just don't like to be right now. I don't want to be, don't want to be cornered. Mm. With questions, of course, of you know. Course, man. So, so that's and everyone around me understands that, yeah. and I'm sort of just doing things that I normally wouldn't do, mm. like you know, going down and sitting in with an old friend's band yeah. for an afternoon or something, just for fun or shits and giggles is good. Change it up a little bit, yeah, and know? do stuff that I sort of never used to make time for. Yeah. But the people that have made time for me, I'm sort of trying to get back to them and repay what they've done for me as well. Yeah. So it's been good and it's been a little bit of a undoing and letting go. That's amazing. I love that. I love that, Troy. Um, there's a, a saying in Wales, um, it's called Harife. And basically it's a sense of belonging. So a place and a land that you can't explain with words, but once you go there, you're just full. You're just full. I think the Welsh people get on good with <laughs> Aboriginal people. Um, I, I, my cup's always full when yeah. we call it getting back on country. Yeah. And when I get to mum's place... Uh, that's pretty much the, was the epicenter of my world, and and nothing makes me feel like that at the moment. Yeah. So I have to go back there, and and yeah, I come out of there with a, a full cup. I I feel good. I mow I, I, with a hand mower there. I don't use a sit on. Yeah. I mow probably two or three acres around Mum's oh, wow. place and just do it by hand. And the only time I stop is when I have to fill the mower up. Bloody and it's it it's really it's good for your mental health. Definitely. Round and round. I used to do it as a kid, and I I thought nothing of it. I thought this is. Hard work. I want to go and swim in the creek. I don't want to go hanging around this mower. <laughs> but I go down there as an adult, and after knowing that I, every time I pull up there, it's very tough for me, Ollie, because Mum's not on the veranda, you know. Mm. But I get there, 
and she never had a mower. I used to pay to get the mowing done. So I had to go on Marketplace, buy a little second-hand mower. Uh, and then I, you know, I said I wanted to make sure it's a four-stroke. Don't want to go mixing fuel or anything because yeah. that's just it was boring. And then, you know, next thing I know, I'm doing the laps around this house that I grew up in. That's amazing. And then I'm going, I know why mum didn't want to go to town. I know she was ill. And yeah, they found mum in her house, uh, you know, pretty much asleep. Yeah. And she said to me, I don't want to move to town to be closer to the services I need for it. I love it out here. And now I go back there and I do some mowing and I wake up there in the morning and have breakfast and I hear what she used to hear. And Ollie, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else either. Yeah. You won't hear that stuff in town no. at Grafton. Yeah. So I'm learning a lot about myself still uh, through the grieving process. Yeah. Do you think, obviously, grieving dad and then July mum happens, do you think it just opened another can of worms for a bit where it kind of, you know, triggered something again where you thought, well, oh, I'm just, I've just grieved something and now boom. It was crazy because I'm just about to do my last session with my, my psych here in town yeah. and I felt good. I was in a good place and I felt like I was actually for once on top of what I was doing yeah. instead of being on the back foot. And, and she helped me a lot and she's younger than me and doesn't have the life experience I have, but she's a good listener. Yeah. And she also was able to allow me to unpack stuff that I didn't even know was there. That's their job. Mm. And so I, I, I was just about to get to the last session and I said to her, I'll just do it by phone from, from down south somewhere or wherever I am because I'm feeling really good. I don't need to be face-to-face, you know. No. We can still yarn as we normally do. And then lose mum. You know, I'm sitting in a motel in Perth. I can't get home till the next day and it, I was just like, wow. So I, I text my psych and I said, I think I'll be coming back for a bit because I've just lost my mum. And the, the, the thing that was supposed to be the last session ended up being uh, when I was getting ready for mum's service, it ended up being in that exact spot where I was just about to have her service in two days. I did my last and my first of the next lot of psych sessions there. And it was good because, not good, but it was, it was just good to know that there was someone there to listen that was neutral that I could actually just let stuff out again. And there was more that I didn't realise was there. Yeah. I'd only scratched the surface on half the stuff I thought I had. I'd dealt with Dad's grief, but then I had to move on to Mum's. Mm. So that it, it was a can of worms, but it was like getting a nice old cupboard and under each coat of paint that every owner before me had mm. put on there, I, I was nowhere near the wood. Mm. I was still coming up with different colours, you know. Wow. So I took a while to, to burn that stuff back. And with each stripped coat, it was more stuff to let go of and more stuff to actually confront. Mm. And that was tough. Yeah, I bet. And, I, and there's a lot of people listening that, that, that are, you know, they, we, we all laugh about Shrek being the onion boy, you know, with all the layers. I had stacks of them. Mm. And, um, and I, I think that, Going back to her, I'm not going at the moment because I feel like I'm, I'm in a position where I started to feel like I was repeating myself, yeah. and I don't like Groundhog Day stuff. Yeah, of course. So I, I thought I'll let it go for a bit. I'll start just you know dealing with it in my own way, getting back to country. Mm. If you're talking about when how you feel when you get back to Wales, when I open that gate on Gumbanga country where I am from and where my my blood is from, yeah. um, nothing feels like that at the moment. Yeah, wow. This um. One thing I've just noticed, though, with you, Troy, is you're very blessed. You've got good people around you. That's a key element there. And 
one thing I've noticed just coming through the door just a minute ago, I haven't seen you in, in a long time. I, I pick up energies really easy and I just come in and just instantly just a great energy in the room. And, you know, that's that's a key factor. That's, that's something that, oh, you know, you levitate to that. So yeah. for myself, Troy, to, to, to come in here to talk and you're ha openly talking about deep things, you know what I mean? But it's uh, amazing that I can you can just express this and um, feel comfortable it, to do this to me. Look, the only reason I... I got in touch with you Ollie is because um I felt like I was doing a lot of talking but I didn't feel like I was walking yeah yeah <laughs> I like that I like well, that choice <laughs> I, I didn't and, and I, I thought to myself if I'm going to back up the stuff that I tell everyone else and I've had a lot of people come back to me with messages that I've given them yeah. over this last maybe six months and they've come back to actually sort of bite me in the ass a little bit because I thought it was something I needed to tell that person at the time to get them out of the hole they were in. And yet I get into a position where I'm having a bad day and these people are around me and they remind me of what I told them. Yeah. It happened with a driver, like a limousine driver here. I was getting taken to a radio, a bunch of radio interviews by this bloke and he's from Melbourne. And I didn't put two and two together that I'd really met him before because we meet so many people, but he was a really good fella. And then I'm having this really bad day and everything's up and down. and I, I, I'd lost mum and, you know, everything was in a bit of a cyclone, you know, in my brain. And I just didn't particularly feel like doing this radio stuff and all that, you know. And then as I'm getting in his car when I finished the day of doing the, the radio interviews, he said, Troy, I, had, I was going through a divorce in Melbourne when I first met you and I was telling you about the times I was having. And, um, and you basically gave me this whole spiel about just making sure that you're happy in your own heart before you can be happy anywhere else you know and he said i'm giving that advice back to you and i went oh i, I should just keep my mouth shut <laughs> but it really did give me a bit of a kick in the bum yeah. and go you're not the only one yeah you know everyone's having these days and i think that that energy that you feel when you come in here i think um that's part of you know, someone that's actually been been through the ringer a bit and they're healing, but um, but I feel like I'm actually walking in the right direction. Everything's not perfect yet. My marriage is still up and down with the way Laura and I are dealing with with stuff, but we're working on it. That's amazing. And and we and the, the relationship with my kids hasn't changed. In fact, it's probably got stronger. My, my relationship with my family has, has grown stronger down in Grafton, and and especially Laurel's family up here as well has just been been really really good because they're supportive people that's amazing and that's all you can hope for you know definitely i, I you know I, I i struggle to understand the word perfect because because we're never going to be perfect perfect yeah, you I know, know. Yeah, that you're right i mean it's not ideal yet yeah i so, I, I sort of go through life thinking to myself yeah like my daughter says to me all the time playing music you know she said i feel like every time i get on a plane i'm living my best life yeah. because she feels like she's 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 living the adventure of music which i did too and at her age, I was I was exactly the same. Every gig wasn't for the money; it was the adventure, mm -hmm. it was the the joy that you get and the joy that you give. Yeah. That's what music should be to me, anyway. Definitely. What was your What was your first ever tour like, and how did it go? Oh, first ever like tour. When I was in covers bands, we used to tour relentlessly, mm -hmm. and you're playing lots of really interesting gigs. And, you know, they're the ones we're talking about before we started recording about seeing fights in crowds. I mean, this <laughs> this was the band where you saw that. And it was anywhere it would happen. 
wherever you're playing country and rock and roll and stuff, the people are drunk and they're, they're going to get into it. Yeah. You know? And the, my first tour really, I, I think, I wouldn't call it a tour. I'd say it was the first time I'd experienced being on the road and staying in motels and um, and drinking late into the night and all that sort of stuff that you're supposed to do when you're young, <laughs> when you're in your late teens. You know, it was incredible fun. But it was a little soul-destroying because sometimes I would go, oh, you know, what am I doing this for? Laying there at night, drunk. Mm. And I used to question whether I'm doing the right thing. But you're 19. Yeah. Anyone looking for a demolition strip-out, asbestos or hazardous material removal, then look no further than Base Hazmat. They do top-quality work with top-quality customer service in the Queensland area. Then check out the team at basehazmat.com. Kind of lying in bed and like going, what am I doing? But at the same time, you're, you're in your teens. Mate, I'm, I'm having the best time of my life. <laughs> but, you know, when you drink, yeah, I think, I think you just, you overthink stuff and you doubt yourself. And, and coming down off a high when you've been drinking too is probably the worst time to feel when you're hungover. Or, but late at night, yeah, I'd, I'd sort of lay there thinking to myself, you know, am I on the right path? Am I drinking too much? But then I'd go, hey. What else am I supposed to be doing at 19? I'd, I'd, I'd sort of get philosophical about it after that. And But they were incredible tours. And then when I went on a real tour where I had to go away for like nine months from Grafton, it was the first time I'd been away from home and for that long. Mm. And that was that was the most incredible tour I think I've ever been on, even to this day. I've, I've done tours all over the world. But that, that tour for nine months going through mainly Indigenous communities was probably the best one I've ever done. Does that just, obviously, you know, you're a proud Aboriginal man. When you see your people, does it just like, oh, just amps you up even more when you're on stage? Well, I think it got me to understand uh, how we operate. It made me feel like where I grew up, um, you know, we played for everyone, of course, Mm -hmm. because you you grew up in the north coast of New South Wales and black and white, everyone came together. And music was gluing everyone together. But when I went on this tour when you're predominantly playing to your own people. Yeah. And and they're pretty choosy in the desert too. I mean, there's, there's no soft <laughs> sell out there, mate. you got to really work hard to get the approval of the people in these communities. And and I found myself working, I think, three times as hard to, to, to get through to people, mm. which was good because it humbled you. They didn't care that you'd come from this little band on the North Coast that had a big following. I sort of thought I was a bit of a big... Big fish, you know, but when I got it back out there, I was just a guppy. And and, and, and and I was humbled, which it came along at the best time because I reckon, you know, if you continue in that little small realm of being in a tiny town where everyone loves you, mm. you can start to believe it. And for a minute I did. But then when I got on this Brian Young show, this old guy took me to these incredible places. And I've only just been back to some of them. Yeah. And I've still got friends at these places where he took me. And this is, I'm talking 30 years later, I turned 21 on that, that particular oh, wow. tour. And it was the most phenomenal thing to get to, to know your own people, yeah. but to get to know yourself too. Yeah, wow. Do you find you're always kind of learning your, your, your culture more and more all the time? Or is it something you were taught at a young age from uh, mum? Or was it just something? Oh, it's a progressive thing. I think um, I got taught a certain amount from my uncles and my mum and mainly my uncles being my male role models, they showed me all the stuff I was supposed to know with, you know, how to, how to get some native tucker and mm. how to clean a kangaroo and how to clean a fish and all that stuff that I, that I needed to know yeah. to survive yeah. um, if ever I needed it. 
was was important. So I got a lot of that at a very early age. But it evolves as you get older, as it should. Yes. I mean, I'm not an elder yet, but I think we're all knocking on the door at 53. Mm. And uh, so I've got, still got a lot of old relos that I can count on that still impart stuff to me. And I still have to educate myself about a lot of other things that are happening on other people's country. So I'm aware when I get there yeah. what to expect and how to, I mean, always really roll in with the deepest of respect for everyone wherever I go because I'm on their country. Yeah. But, yeah, it really does, it's, it's exciting to still feel like you're hungry to learn. That's amazing. That's a, such a cool thing. And when you go back, you know, obviously your career, mate, you've done so much. And I still believe there's more to give. I think, you know, like, I think, believe it or not, you talking about scratching the layers back, there's always gems kind of come from stories or connecting back to mum or dad. But just in, in particular with yourself, what was your, what would you say your biggest highlight was in your career? Look, I, I would say... Uh, f- Highlights are very hard to, to nail down because there's so many people that have championed my cause. Yeah. I think the highlight, I have to do plural, are the people that helped. Yeah. The awards that comes later, and I'm, I'm just about to try and put some of these back in Tamworth in a glass case so people can actually see them because they're just sitting yeah. here. No one gets to see them, Ollie. You know, it's not right. Mm. If kids are going to be inspired to be the next generation of country artists, they need to see of course. the results of what happens. But the highlights for me have been the people I think that I've met yeah. at the different towns I've moved to who've helped me because they're the ones that you, you sort of, you arrive on their shoulders, you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, um, I'm not, I just come back from the World Cup we were talking about earlier and I had a couple of jerseys. I swapped this jersey with a Tongan, um, had a Papua New Guinea shirt. I've never been one for sentimental things. Maybe in my 20s still and it's not so I, I give them out because yeah. they're just going to be hanging my in my wardrobe otherwise and my barber back home wanted one so he's I'll frame this yeah. uh, you know um, my mentor someone I'm dear with um, he's not into rugby at all he's actually into AFL but I thought you know what have a jersey because you don't realise how much you've influenced influenced me in my life so regardless of what the jersey means, this is my way of paying respect to you. But how many people are going to come through that barber mm, yeah. and sit in the chair and go, hey, where's that from? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then they get the story. Yeah. And Ollie, that's what these things should be. I, 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 get, I get a lot of uh, good vibes out of gifting things on. They come in circles yeah. with me a lot too. They'll come into your hands sometimes for free and you know that genuinely you might not need them. But you know someone that genuinely does. Yeah. So the other day, I, I inherited a guitar somehow. It was in a case, and I, I, I go through my cases sometimes, and they all that. have they all have to earn their place. Believe it or not, I, I use all those guitars. Wow. But they they have to earn their place, and the ones that are sitting out, you know, some sometimes they're on trial, and they've got to make sure they prove themselves. Yeah. And there was one that I didn't get to, around to using that was given to me, and but a mate needed one, mm-hmm. so I, he rings me and he said, if I need to buy an electric guitar, I want to practice. He said, what, what, what do I need? Is, this is my budget. It's like 1200 bucks, 1300 bucks tops. Uh, what do I need? And I said, I looked around at my, my room and I thought, oh, there's one there you can probably have. So I said, listen, I'll do a demo of this thing and come over and grab it. And he goes, oh, I want to buy it. And I said, no, look, because it hasn't been played here yeah. for a while. I'll restring it, make sure it goes, and then come over and try it, and then off you go. And then it's, it's just a full circle. Amazing. And he's now, he's an incredible fiddle player. I mean, oh, well. Just incredible. But he's a guitar player too. And he wants to learn more about that instrument. 
And so, you know, that, that thing that was sitting on the shelf just over here, that guitar, it's now in his hands and it's being played. That's amazing. They're not show pieces. No, no. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but the for someone like yourself or your caliber to hand a guitar to someone, you don't realize. I think sometimes you don't you don't realize um, what impact you have on people, Troy. Oh, look. And, and you know what? If it if it brings some joy, yeah. That's all. That's all. What I'm about at the moment is just bringing a bit of joy. If things bring me joy, they should be able to bring other people joy as well. And I think it's not wasted on me, Ollie. I I, I do feel like when he walked out, he had a, a grin like a Cheshire cat. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, enjoy. Yeah. Because that's what it's about. You're, you're giving the joy that I played it a few times. It never fell in love with it, but the ones that I play, I love. You know. And then, you know, when you see them walking out with something like that, you just think to yourself, well, they're going to get some love and attention on that guitar, and yeah. that's what it deserves. You know? It's funny, right? So I always had a pair of boots that were terrible. They were scruffy. I had the held on them for ages. But they meant so much to me when I put them on. I would tape them up and play still with duct tape around them. Yeah. Was that the same concept with some guitars you where this guitar was just beat up, but it just meant so much to you? Yeah, well... That one in particular there with all the scratches on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that was gifted to me by the builder and he lived in Adelaide. He's, he's since passed away now and I keep in touch with his son. But he had some discrepancy with the shape of the headstock because it's close to another guitar manufacturer, so he had to give it away. Mm. And he said, if I'm going to give it away, I want to give it away to someone who's actually going to play it. So he said, I realise you're into, you know, strats and tellies. Would you take this as a test pilot? If you like it, you can have it. Yeah. And I said, please send it over. I said, I don't do endorsements. I said, I just play what I like yeah. these days. And so it, he sent it over. I've opened the case. It, it's um, it's reasonably new looking. And it's as light as a feather. It's got a beautiful big neck, exactly what I would play. He must have read me like a book. It all meant to be. And then um, I look at the marks on that thing, and I, I, I can see the times it's gone ass overhead on stage. Um and I think to myself, the miles it's actually done since he gave it to me. I didn't buy it, but he got to see it being played. And at his funeral, I was able to sit here and do a video piece for him as to what songs this thing wrote and the magic that arrived in it. Yeah. So, And now when I take it to Adelaide, when we do the uh, Red Hot Summer Tour, I'll be playing it in the town where it was built. Amazing. And his son can get to see it on stage. And another full circle moment you know and, and even when i was down at mum's the last time just you know taking it all in i always take guitars down i turn the amp up on the veranda nice and loud and the only <laughs> thing that's listening is the kangaroos yeah. and i take this guitar down with me and i did a video for his son and i said it is singing with the birds this guitar wow. it is still a massive part of my life so your father's spirit is in this guitar wow. and it travels around with me you know and 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 for him, for Greg to give that to me, Greg Truman's his name, was his name, and it was one of those gifts that now, now me handing that one to old mate, the fiddle player walking out of the gate was one thing, um, but the full circle moment is that I've had a free guitar that I've been playing for the last six to eight years and it's been my number one. That's amazing. I love that. That is truly amazing. And yeah, if I, I've just got the image in my head, you playing the guitar amped up just with all the acreage oh. around you and you said that only the kangaroos can hear you that's that's amazing just Mate, imagine I, that in my head yeah it's a strange image because normally you're playing for other people but i'm playing for myself yeah and i used to do that a lot when i was a kid mm. and i think i sort of turned into that 12 13 year old kid plugging into his first amp yeah. when i go down there there's this spirit mum's still there mm. but there's this spirit that 
that sort of just flows through you as you play on the veranda. And I've got the fire lit. I'll take an acoustic out to the fire and sit there for a while. And the only light, it's dead dark, brother. I mean, if you're scared of dark, don't go to this house. <laughs> I'll be shitting myself. It, it is seriously, there's no town light, nothing. So the only light is the fire. Sometimes I'll turn the veranda light on and encourage the insects because there's a little bat that comes through, a little micro bat and swings through, but that's the only company I've got. And the rest of it is just the sounds of the bush. Wow. Full moon there one night was beautiful because it sort of pretty much looked like daytime with the fire going. But, yeah, you sit out there and play. And I've written songs since I've been down there. The things are starting to flow in that area as well. And they'll get happier. Yeah. just takes time. Just keep on inspiring with the words, the songs. Is one thing I want to ask you as well. Um, obviously, different careers to Elvis, but I watched uh, Elvis Presley's movie the other day. Did, yeah. Have you seen it? Oh, I loved it. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. But you you see an insight to behind the scenes, like the managers and and obviously his why he couldn't leave America. Yeah. And um, I'm not going to say that's anything compared to yours, but was there any time like where you got educated on the business of music where you just, because you said, I'm doing it for love. I was never initially doing it for money, but obviously you got bills to pay, you got life, you got to experience things. Did you ever go, I need to get educated on the business side? Look, I think my wife educated me a fair bit. She's She was a musician when I met her as well, but she was a, like a radio announcer. But mm. um, but I think that her, the, the, any any business sense that I developed came from her. When when I met her, I was happy to play for nothing. Um, I was not watching the books of what the band I was in, all that, so I didn't really care. Mm. Like I say, I was just I was rolling with it and the whole thing was an adventure. But she sort of, she sort of pulled me aside and said, look, eventually, pardon me, you've got to make this a job. Yeah. And it has to pay the bills. And like you say, um, she helped me with management. She was there when I signed my first record deal. All that stuff we sort of did together. And and that was, I can tell you now, came along at the right time. I could have ended up in any other different situation to what I am now. Mm. But I think that guidance definitely doesn't come from artistic people. It comes from people who are a little bit more focused on being able to make it a living. Because I never saw it as a living. I saw it as a fun gig. Fun, yeah. You know, so yeah, I think Laurel really helped shape that in me and made me wary of the bullshit that can come with the industry because yeah. it's everywhere, Ollie. Yeah, yeah, it is everywhere. And you saw with the Elvis movie how Colonel Tom Parker, I think he was on 50% mm. of what he was making. Now, all the stuff that came out in the movie, everyone knew about, mm. but they'd never seen it put into a, a biopic sort of style. Yeah. And I, th- I think Baz did a great job because Baz can go one way or the other with movies, you know, and it can be really showy yeah. or it can be really earthy. And I'm glad he went the earthy route with Elvis because we saw the human side of him. Definitely. And I, and I have never been trapped like that because I've never had that sort of fame. But the thing I loved about the movie was Elvis didn't have someone looking out for him like oh. I had with Laurel. Mm. He had everyone around him saying yes. Yeah. Yes, even his dad. Yeah, even I didn't so. even know his dad played that role in his life until I saw the movie. Yeah, and I know that Priscilla would have made sure everything was to the letter on that thing. Yeah, because she apparently was right across the whole story. Wow. So that's good to know too, because you know it's authentic. Yeah. But there was that human side of when he sat in the in the limousine talking to her, and he'd said goodbye to Lisa Marie and stuff like that. And that I think that might have been around the time that was the last time she would have seen him. 
and there's that human aspect that people and we've all got this human aspect about us obviously but everyone shows it in different ways you know but I got to and, and the movie did get a bit of a bagging from some people but I actually enjoyed it I enjoyed just the fact that it wasn't too showy yeah it was a little bit more to me like a, a wholesome account on Elvis's life yeah well it it, it I actually choked up. I was on the plane to the UK and I started choking up on the plane watching yeah. it. What about that last scene on it? I know, mate. The real scene. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, no, is that it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's the scene. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah. Because I just, I felt so sorry. I mean, for someone so talented and to come from what they came from, mm. I didn't realise he was on the show circuit. I heard that, that Colonel Tom Parker was like a more of a carny. Mm. I didn't realise... He was a proper carny, yeah. like really worked the shows, knew how to make a buck. Yeah. Uh, that's the sort of manager you probably need if you're Elvis Presley. Yeah. He's you just, know? And I, I started researching his songs more, though, not listening to them and then the meaning behind the song. And, yeah, I just honestly, I think I started falling in love with Elvis all over again. You it's know? easy to do. He was super talented and um, I've got a lot of mates that are super fans. Yeah. But it made me more of a fan, I think, of the human being that was always not just the artist. Because I'd heard all the songs, yeah. played some of them in bands and stuff like that and loved them, mm. but didn't realise there was this human aspect behind all that music that really needs to be acknowledged too. So, yeah. And, and I, I love the fact that you can see the real people. And, and that's one thing we've always done with music is, is, is making sure we try and keep it as wholesome and as authentic as we can. Because I think people deserve to see the real yeah. part of what you've got. And... I reckon there's more in the tank for what I've got to give. Definitely. It's going to take time to be happy again, but I'm working on that. Mm. And I think it's it's feeling like I'm going okay, but I, I, I've got to stop thinking that it's selfish to work on yourself, Ollie. No, no, no. I think that's the hardest thing. You know, the the, the, the role you do at work, like well, I won't even call it work, your love, is pleasing people. Yeah. For performance, you're always about the people, but it's hard then to do something for yourself because you're always in the mindset of, I love the energy that I give them fills you up essentially, but now it's a time to do it just for you and it's nothing wrong with being selfish. No, well, that's what my, my psychologist said. She said, look, um, stop saying what you're doing for yourself mm. feels selfish because it's not. What you're actually doing is giving yourself time to heal mm. and because I'm, I'm always giving everyone what I can around me and never really concentrated much on myself and that's why I fell into a heap after losing dad. Yeah. It's because, you know, he took his own life. It's unlike my father to do something like that. Yeah. He did it in his happy place where he used to take me all the time to build things and he loved to fix stuff. You know, he's a Maltese immigrant, mm. came out with nothing at eight years old, couldn't talk English, Wow. had to pick up English as an eight-year-old at school, got called a wog, got got a job at the at the fruit markets. You know, my dad had this... Well, to me, he had an incredible life. I've been back to Malta, where he was from, Amazing. and had a look at the street he lived on, and they had nothing, you know. So that, that to me, is he's got an amazing story. It took me a while to, to appreciate his story mm. and then also to appreciate the fact that why he decided it was time to go. Yeah. It's, like, there's a couple of reasons, I think, behind it, but that's nothing for me to say. But one thing I will say is he'd be definitely proud of you, man. He'd be oh. definitely proud of you, Troy, just the journey... Um, like you said, he, he seems like he's a guy who inspired you as well because yeah, he just sit the guitar with you when you were missing your mum. He would um, if you hand me that set of harmonica there, yeah, just just hand me that harmonica in the holder, oh. yep, and chuck me that acoustic guitar. 
I'll just show you quickly what he used to do. When I'd get down there and I was shitty about leaving my mum, mm. what have we got? D-flat, okay. So we'll put this thing on here. And he'd sit down. Oh, hang on, I've got headphones on. <laughs> he'd sit down with me and go, okay, I know you're missing your mum, but this may help you, you know. And he would just go to so much trouble every time I would be down there to make me feel welcome. And that's what a dad does. So he'd sit down and he'd make stuff up. So he'd go, okay, now, you know, we're going to make up a story. Now, Troy was a little boy and he's walking through the bush and he'd just be... dad would do that for me wow. that was my father's gift and now i every time i put a harmonica on every time i strap a guitar on he's living through me mm. every time i play wow. and and so instead of him trying to comfort me as a little boy who was just missing home yeah. he would give me that so how how can you not be affected by that mm. Lo so losing him i felt a part of me had died but then I realised a part of him is always going to be alive while I'm doing this. Mm. So it, it turned the tables on me, Ollie. Yeah, yeah. And um, it made me realise that, you know, there are things in life that will come along and throw you a bit of a wide. But then I realised what he gave me. Mm. And then I start to celebrate him instead of mourning him. And that's one thing, you know, my psychologist told me. She said, you've got a lot to celebrate about that, Father. Yeah. She said, what he's given you is... It's pretty special. Yeah. And when I put this thing on now and I go, wow, well, that's that's my dad's gift. Yeah. And here it is, you know, I'm sitting here in, in amongst the guitars that he could never afford or or couldn't play like he wanted to play. And that could be dad talking to me right now, <laughs> that bird. Yeah, wow. And that's that's the beauty of, you know, the music he gave me, but there's also this spiritual aspect where we listen to the birds a lot on mum's side. Sometimes they just deliver messages. And, um, and I've been thinking about Dad all day because I knew you were coming. And, um, and sometimes it might be him saying, yeah, I'm here. That's it's all good. Man, it's, it's deep because just you playing that music then just started welling me up. This thing went through my body. Music's an amazing thing. It's, yeah. it's a big old tool. You know, mm. we can break down walls with it. We can uh, bring people together with it. It's an incredible tool if you if you want to use it for the for the right reasons and and I and I think that every time I get affected by music, it makes me feel even more sort of not lucky because I don't think it, we're lucky because you have to work for what you get. Yeah. I said it to my daughter the other day: you're not lucky that you get to make music you're living. You've had to earn it. Yes. Um, you've had to put up with going through school and not going to uni and picking up a keyboard and playing gigs with me and all that stuff. It makes me feel really appreciative of my job again. So it's 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 a good thing. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. You want to finish with a little song? Please, please. Mm -hmm. Early morning brings the sounds 
Wakes this little one horse town The ghost that scared the kids at night Have slowly faded out of sight Wind blows through the mill worker's house and flows out over the backyard gate. He closes his eyes when things get hard because he knows in his heart there's no escape. So he screams and shouts and takes it out on the ones he loves. And hold so dear Cause a brighter days A long, long way Away from here Away from here Drink on the porch by kerosene light And listen to the folks in the next house fight For a while, everything seems well Oh, but there ain't nothing gonna break this spell So he screams and shouts and Takes it out on the ones he loves and hold so dear Cause a brighter days A long, long way Away from here Away from here Yes, he screams and shouts And takes it out On the ones he loves And holds so dear Cause a brighter day is a long, long way away from here, away from here. Beautiful, man. Oh Cheers, brother. Mate, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, mate, honestly. Such I'm a lost pleasure, Ollie. First time uh, I'm lost for words. <laughs> <laughs> I don't guess you get much music in your po uh, podcast, but they've really helped me. Yeah. And um, I think we've got a lot to learn from everyone. Yeah. So good on you for getting around and spreading the word, brother. Thank you so much. I'm uh, truly grateful for you, Troy. No worries. Thank you.